0: Welcome to this episode of the Magic Hour, uh, where we talk about what's happening at Magic Valley, which is a cultivated meat company in Australia. And we also talk about what's happening in the cultivated meat industry around the world. In this episode, we're going to talk about uh, a tasting. It's the second part of an episode, um, or part two of an episode, if you like, around from lab to table, where we're talking about how we prepared both the the cells in the lab and how we prepare prepared different products for for what was happening in tastings. And and we are very lucky to have uh, a special guest with us. But before I do that, I should probably introduce myself. Um, My name is Andrew Laslett. I'm the Head of Research and Development at Magic Valley, and I'm your host today. Normally, we have two hosts, but Paul Bevan, our CEO and founder, is off doing CEO things again. So today, it's myself and our special guest, Jacob Goodwin, who is our head of innovation at Magic Valley, and I'll, and I'll get um, Jacob to give us a bit of a background and introduction as to who he is and where he came from and what he does at Magic Valley. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, so yeah,
1: Jacob Goodwin, the head of innovation at Magic Valley. I've uh, been working here now for a little over a year and a half, I believe. Uh, so. Uh, I guess how I got here originally was I um, have been in the medical-related research fields for quite a while, started off in protein aggregation in Parkinson's disease, and then the majority of my career has been in uh, anti-cancer research, so mostly drug discovery and development over a range of different cancer types and also different drug targets. Uh, I guess how I got on to Magic Valley, um, so for a long time i wanted to move away from uh, the sort of fundamental research that I was doing in the medical field uh, to something that had more of a real world impact um, and was a little bit more rewarding from day to uh, day. And I wanted that to be in the area of sustainability of some description. And I had thought that I'd have to go back and restudy and uh, do another degree or something in the plant-based science or, uh, or a um, agricultural science um, and then through my work uh, at the CSIRO, I was introduced to um, Paul, the C- our CEO, uh, and I guess was really lucky that my background was able to match up with what uh, Maguirelli needed in terms of um, cell biology.
0: Yeah, no. I guess, I guess some of the listeners are thinking, hold on, hold on, wait up. We're talking, this is a cultivated meat company. We're producing food for people to eat. What's that got to do with cancer biology? What, what's cell biology? Do you want to give us a little bit more of a, a lay explanation of how your, your many years as a scientist have helped um, in terms of what we're doing at Magic Valley?
1: Sure. At the end of the day, cell biology is, is just about uh, what's happening within the cells. And there are different types of cells. You have cancer cells, you have normal cells, you have stem cells, uh, and they all have specific roles. Um, Not that you want cancers to do much, but uh, all of these cells have um, basic fundamental mechanisms and then they have their own specific uh, differences that uh, we study from a day-to-day. Generally, um, a lot of the technical uh, work that we do on a day-to-day is applicable across all different cell types. So... Um, the research that I was doing, and the types of research and the, the methodologies that I was using in my cancer research uh, have uh, gone across and are applicable to stem cell research.
0: Fantastic, thanks, thanks, Jacob. Um, so are you talked about a little bit, but um, uh, I know I know from working with you and talking with you that um, you you went, and what you just said you know you weren't specifically interested in cultivated meat but you're interested in sustainability um but your background um and the where you were brought up has played a part in or actually a really important part of what you do at magic valley in terms of uh how you were raised and where you were raised do you want to talk a little bit about that
1: uh sure uh for for context I guess uh I grew up in central Queensland on a cattle farm, so we were primary producers or my family were primary producers uh and along with the uh the 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 farm uh we also had a family run business which was a butcher shop, so basically my entire upbringing was around meat production um I worked in the, the butcher shops all the way through high school and and during university, uh, during my studies. So I am quite familiar with the the meat side of things and meat processing. Um, yeah. So I guess it made a really good fit when, uh, the, the the job came available at magic Valley. So I have a quite a lot of, uh, background knowledge in how different meats are produced and what's important, what, what, you know, what's good and bad about uh, specific types of meat. Uh, so, yeah, they sort of just matched up perfectly.
0: And from my perspective as someone who's been vegetarian for eight years, the one of the really important of the many important roles that you play at Magic Valley is you're the hardest taste test to get past because you 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 very much remember what meat tastes like and what meat should. Taste like so. In our in our previous episode, um, where I was talking with Wendy from from Magic Valley, who who made the pork dumplings, I asked her. Could, she's also an omnivore. Um, asked her what she thought about the the pork dumplings' taste and how they differed. I mean, I'd be super interested to hear hear your take on on differences, similarities, and just in terms of taste and texture.
1: Sure. Um, so obviously, like you said, it's very important to have people that do eat meat because i guess that's our customer base right so we want to try and provide a um a meat alternative for the population not just people that are already vegetarian or vegan um so yeah we definitely need to have people that know what meat tastes like and are happy to eat the product um and it was actually quite surprising how good it was (laughs) um so i guess the problem like why plant-based meats haven't taken off so much is that they they just are lacking a little bit of something that uh, makes it uh, different between meat and the plant-based meat alternatives and i guess the addition of the cultivated material that we've provided uh, really does push it um, to that sort of extra uh, real meat flavors and the feelings that you get from eating it um I guess from Wendy's perspective, that's the traditional dish that she would eat a lot. Um, I it's my first time eating this particular recipe, so no, no, I think it was um, tasted pretty amazing. Actually, like it was it was really
0: great. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the amazing, delicious taste. I, I used to live in Hong Kong, and I, I've eaten a fair few dumplings, and I wasn't a vegetarian when I lived in Hong Kong, and they they tasted spot on to me. But um, maybe that's my my memory helping me with the, with the taste because. Uh, Delicious.
1: You definitely do hear that a lot where people that have been vegetarian for a while, they say things taste like meat or that what they remember meat tastes like. And it, it, it rarely is what meat tastes like. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it's good to have a perspective that it's something that people that haven't eaten meat will enjoy, but uh, also crosses over with people that do eat meat and would be happy to make the switch if it was available. Yeah.
0: Um, so, going back to your growing up on the on the farm, the, the are there? I mean, how? I know you went back and visited family uh, over recent holidays. Um, how do the conversations go? What do people think that are on the land? Um, what do you see? Or what would you hope to see as this moves forward? I know we've had discussions around this. I mean, are there issues with the current animal agriculture system that you have? How do you see the two um, systems fitting together? Do they not fit together? Um, um.
1: Sure, there's, I guess, a wide variety of uh, people's opinions about cultivated meat. Um, back where I grew up, uh, and I guess that's the same everywhere um and obviously there's a a gut reaction to to be negative about it if you're in a industry that that's your primary income uh and which i completely understand um people's reactions like my parents are i think just happy i have a job <laughs> rather
0: than <laughs> anything else like everybody's parents um
1: yes. yeah of my extended family maybe are still on the fence about it um more traditional in, in those sorts of ways um yeah, so the, the, the opinions do vary quite a lot. Um, what I would hope would happen is that we can work together with industries and um, farms that are established. I'm not sure in what capacity yet, but uh, it's always on my mind about how we can work together. Um, so what we do requires inputs, uh, and there's been some research done in Queensland already about using waste agricultural materials to feed into the cultured or precision fermentation um. Streams, so there's definitely scope uh, for us to work together. Um, uh, yeah, to make the products.
0: Fantastic, um, and um, what what do you think needs to change about the current uh, the current ways of of, of of producing meat? Do you think? Do you think it it needs to to change um, in terms of sustainability, in terms of in terms of the um, the existence that people working on the land um, and how hard they have to work to to go through to, to 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 keep their businesses afloat and things like that? Is that a topic you want to talk about?
1: Uh, sure. Um... So like every industry, like there's different levels, right? So you have people like my parents and my family. Uh, they're very sort of, I guess, smaller scale farmers. So, you know, they've got tens of tens to 100,000 acres kind of thing. Um, but still, that's relatively small. You have low sort of density uh, farming. And then you have a huge gamut where you go to high intensity farming at the end. So I can't really speak much about those practices because it's not something that I'm practically familiar with. Um, But in terms of uh, things that do need to change, um, you know, Australia is a pretty dry country. um, And there is problems with, I guess, matching that with a a business that relies so heavily on good rainfall. Uh, So, you know, cows, uh, at least at our end of the farming scale, eat grass, we're not feeding them grain and all those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, growing up in Queensland, drought was just, that's just what life was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really hard. And, and that sort of, uh, snowballs and has a an snowball effect on the environment where, you know, the low rainfalls equals less grass and feed, uh, that leads to overgrazing. And th- if it does rain, uh, then that sort of, uh, increases the problem where you have uh, rainfall moving uh, quite rapidly over the, the topsoil and removing the topsoil. So there's a, a huge uh, problem with, um, I guess, keeping the nutrients in the soil so that we can keep going. Um, so in terms of uh, how things could possibly change, I think um, making sure we can have, a again, more sustainable practices in terms of... Um, trying to balance out the inputs and i guess not stressing the land so much with high intensity or you know rotational farming and and all those sorts of um, practices which people have done and do but it's it is a big leap for a lot of farmers to to make the transition away from the the traditions of of how they farm because it is more you know this is the way that we've done things and and a lot of farmers don't actually have the the capital to take risks on other practices so uh, instead of trying something new there's just not the ability to try anything new and take that risk uh, unfortunately um so yeah just yeah trying to focus on changing the practices to more sustainable um, land management
0: uh, thanks for that jacob i think it's it's so as you you were going through that i was i was reflecting on the differences in our, in our backgrounds. I'm a, I'm a classic city boy. I've always lived in, in big cities and it's, it really underscores the importance of having a diverse team with diverse backgrounds. Um, In our last episode, we talked to Wendy, who um, Singaporean um, has a very different food culture from myself, who has a very different food culture to you. And all of those inputs help us push the, 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 the best product forward, and um i know um in listening to you and i've learned so much about about the different views on sustainability it's all, it's very easy in the city to say oh this should be done this should be changed this should be should be easy it should just switch um, and that's not Always the is definitely not that that black and white. So I really really appreciate your perspective on that, Jacob. Thank you. Um, I want to bring the conversation back to the the recent tasting event we had and and sort of get your your views on it, but also explain to the listeners. I know what you did. I know you worked really really hard to um, to prepare for it, but to explain to the listeners what your role in in getting. Um, uh, the cultivated meat products out there, both in the, the lamb prototype last year um, that wasn't a tasting event, but, um, and also the, uh, the cultivated pork dumpling that we had at the tasting event a, a little while ago. Um, get, just get your, your description of what your role was and then what the reaction was like to to the, to the products.
1: Sure. So early on, uh, this is when we did the lamb, uh, prototype, it was an extremely small team. Uh, so I think it was, uh, just the three of us, Paul, yourself and myself. Um, so I'm very much in the lab all the time. So, um, I, I guess my role was initially to take the the, the lamb cells, um, which were a fibroblast, um, and then go through uh, rounds of reprogramming to turn them into our IPSCs. Um, Going from that stage to expansions and then trialing different materials and how we can process, process that downstream uh, to make our uh, mince-based um, product. Um, definitely not a chef, um, but I tried my best.
0: It tastes um, pretty good to me.
1: Yeah, so I think the, the, the second round of uh, the tastings definitely were better than the first. Like We made a huge jump up from the first to the second. Um, just an hour sort of formulation of the, the, the mince product um, because we did try um, the pork tasting as well as the second um, uh, lamb tasting. So, um, yeah, I guess basically from point A to point Z, um, so from the cells reprogramming formulation of the, the mince-based product, uh, trialing different, uh, different recipes and trying to figure out what would be the best way um, to present um, the, this food so that we've got a number of limitations. So um, at the moment we are producing at relatively small scales, which means that we don't have much, we won't have much material. So what can we produce that, um, you know, will look good and will taste good and can be presented, you know, pre- presentation is a big part of what um, we need to, to focus on for these sorts of events. Um,
0: so, Jacob, what do you think the biggest challenges are? So we've made some products that we think taste pretty good. Um, what, do you, what are the biggest challenges and what's coming forward for Magic Valley in the next six months, one year, five years?
1: Uh, so uh, there's a lot of challenges <laughs> at every step of the, the sort of process. Um, short term, I guess, is, uh, you know, getting the cost down and producing a relatively large amount. So, um, at manufacturing scales, you can rely on uh, economies of scale to bring down your costs. Whereas still at our level, like we're still relatively expensive in how we produce our, our, our cells uh, in terms of media and those sorts, those sorts of things. Um, we've been um, working with a few B2B companies in the space who are really helping out, which hopefully will bring down the costs um, considerably, uh, but that's an ongoing process. Um, obviously scale up is going to be, it's everyone's issue. Um, so um, <clears throat> a lot of people, you know, we need to move from adherent cell culture to suspension cell cultures, and we need to move to high density cell cultures. So. Um, we don't, there's sort of no clear path forward based on, you know, previous work because no one's had to do this, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is probably the most, um, closely related field where they use cells to produce things like antibodies and and those sort of things for therapies. Um, but even then, uh, in the, the reactor systems that they use, they're growing cells for the, the secretion product and not the cells. They're not actually optimizing the the, the manufacturing process for collecting a cell mass material. So um, yeah, there's definitely this transition to a completely new um, completely new requirements for our bioreactor systems. Um, with our IPSC technology, we're, I'm fairly confident that it's, um, it, it's, it's going well anyway. So we can grow them at quite high density. They have no problems growing in suspension. So a lot of times, um, like cells are adherent. Uh, and they'd like to grow in in adherent conditions um, and they won't grow in suspension. And so we are lucky or we've chosen a system that allows us to go straight from adherent to suspension cultures without having to necessarily use things like microcarriers or any sort of um, genetic manipulation to get them to grow in single cell suspensions and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, many challenges, but we're getting there.
0: Oh, thanks, Jacob. That's, that's um, really great to hear. And uh, it's obvious that we have many challenges, but we're, we're definitely thinking about them and we definitely have um, good plans in place to over- overcome the hurdles. Um, so going back to the tasting event, what what sort of feedback did you get in terms of verbal feedback when you were talking to people at at, that, at the event?
1: Sure. Uh, everyone seemed really, really happy. And it was, just, there was quite a... Uh, uh, there was a buzz of excitement basically in the air that, uh, I've never really come across in anything else. like, you know, it's a brand new thing yeah. that a bunch of people that were pretty much some of the first people in the world to ever eat something that's like this. Um, so yeah, it was really, really fantastic. Um, I got a few comments from chefs back on my pasta making ability, which was quite nice. Um, probably surprising, but quite nice. Um, yeah, everyone had really good things to say, actually.
0: Yeah. So, just to explain to people um, why Jacob's talking about pasta, we had a private tasting event uh, where people also signed waivers that um, this uh, the media wasn't invited to this one. Um, but for that event, do you want to describe the the pasta that you made? And
1: uh, sure, we um, decided we want to have another go at the. The, the lamb. So we made a second lamb prototype uh, for this private tasting that we had. Um, again, we had to go through a process of trying to figure out what was the best um, format to give it to people in. So, you know, obviously, lamb's used in a lot of different ways, uh, but we had to, to to do something that was, I guess, uh, relatively small, could be presented uh, in a nice sort of way. Um, so went through a few different options and we ended up with uh, lamb tortellini um so that's what uh, i made for that tasting
0: and i can attest it was quite delicious so jacob how did how did it feel what do you think about did you i I asked this same question to to wendy in a previous episode um how did it feel cooking cultivated meat for the first time did you actually think about the fact that that Animal that the meat had come from was was still alive and running around in a field.
1: Uh, to tell you the truth, the days that we do these things are quite intense, <laughs> so there's um, maybe not much time to, to to focus on that in in the, in the minute. Uh, I guess looking back on it, there's a, a bigger, um, I guess, feeling of awe and uh, achievement. So you know, again, I wanted to move to this role. To have a larger impact and just produce something rather than the fundamental research which helps people in 10 or 20 years yeah um so yeah just i guess looking back on that it you know
0: felt pretty good cool Uh, did you get the opportunity or were you busy in the kitchen to hear um paul's introduction to to the night
1: i was in the kitchen
0: Okay. Um, I I think, I think those introductions that Paul gives where he talks about how historic an an event it is for the tasting and that the, it's those people, uh, some of the first people in Australia to try cultivated meat. Um, there has been other cultivated meat, but, um, it definitely not cultivated lamb previously. And those, uh, it's really quite historic and, and I when I heard him say that the, the animal that this meat comes from is still going around in the field, there was literally, it's almost a jaw-dropping moment for the people in the audience. I don't know, I was lucky enough to not be slaving away in the kitchen like yourself and like Wendy. Um, so um, thank you for all of the the hard work that both you and, and Wendy do in, in the kitchen and in the laboratory. Um, so innovation is kind of like a buzzword, lately um i feel like what we're doing at magic magic valley is is we have to innovate nearly every day to come up with processes to to make things work especially taking processes that use animal products and we don't use any animal products do you do you have a, a personal process that you use to help you come up with new ideas around techniques or new ways for developing the cultivated meat, different products, or how do you you come up with some of the great ideas that you come up with?
1: Uh, I guess it's just being curious mostly about everything. Um, Like my mum likes to tell a story of when I was a kid um, and like pulling apart clocks and things like this to try (laughs) and figure out how things work. Um, I do remember pulling up a few of her plants to, to see how they went underneath the ground as well. Um, but yeah, just always trying to to like learn new things. Like Even outside of work and sort of the hobbies that I have, I try and make it about learning new skills and just getting new knowledge about different things. Um, so I guess couple that with I'm pretty much always connected to the internet in some way and I'll be on my laptop and on my phone and my iPad, all at the same time, doing like five different things. <laughs> um, yeah, so just always trying to, to to learn something new, and I guess that's where it pulls from. So yeah, we just constantly chat to different B two B companies. Obviously, there's you know a, a little bit of research that's publicly available in the, in the space. Um, I like to go back to older research um, that's been done. So a lot of the modern research papers are hugely complicated and there's just so much going on and, you know, it's you know, there's not much time to explore things really. Um, whereas a lot of the, the older research papers, very specific problem answer and it's easy to find or easier to find an application for those, for that research in, in our research. Um, so I do go back to, to these older papers quite a lot because obviously they were produced from one perspective and I guess mostly from a medical background, but there's you know, parallels between what we do and what's the medical field. Uh, so, it's using that sort of um, knowledge in a, in a different, from a different perspective.
0: One of the uh, points you brought up in that answer, I'd like you to to uh, expand on a little bit, if you can, is in terms of your your hobbies and and some of the hobbies that you have and um, some of the things you like to do, uh, and how they've helped us at Magic Valley.
1: Sure. I guess in terms of hobbies, I haven't really landed on any one thing. Um, I'm sort of a collector of hobbies at the moment. Um, I guess it happens to a lot of people that uh, go through PhDs and that sort of, you get busy and moved overseas and, uh, you know, can't take things with you and you don't sort of do those sorts of things. So when I came back to Australia, I sort of made an effort to sort of try as much as possible. So, um, yeah, I've got things, I do things like, uh, 3d printing uh, which has been quite useful so we've been doing some in-house designing for um, bench scale small bioreactor systems and those sorts of things um, i've got a quite an interest in sort of home scale manufacturing so again like the 3d printers cnc uh, and those things like that um, some electronics work with Arduino's and raspberry Pis, and those sorts of things which have uh, been quite useful uh if not for some direct Um, application but just learning languages to speak to people who do who it's their job so just being able to speak to people uh, and sort of knowing what to ask rather than just having vague ideas has been quite helpful but yeah basically I'll give everything everything and anything a go
0: Um, now it's been incredibly useful some of your um your side projects at at home that have helped us in a, in a range of different ways. And I just like to make it very clear to anybody listening that Jacob is very happy in his role at magic Valley and is not looking for a job anywhere else. (laughs) So back off. Um, yeah, no, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today and to, to sharing both your expertise, um, your scientific expertise, your, your ideas around innovation and also, uh, your thoughts around the whole industry and how it's potentially fitting and moving towards um, a, a different relationship with the traditional farming and traditional livestock industry. Because I think you're, I would be surprised if there's many people around the world that have the same background as you that are working in a cultivated meat company. So I think I think you really do provide a quite unique and very valuable perspective. So I and I think that's come across today in the podcast. So thank you, thank you very much for joining us today. Sorry me. no no problem at all um, so thank you also to our listeners for joining us today on the Magic Hour um, if you want to find out more about Magic Valley you're you're very welcome to check us out on our website which is www.magicvalley.com.au we also have a LinkedIn a Facebook, a Twitter an Instagram, a TikTok and our podcasts are available on spotify youtube the apple podcast and um please feel free to hit the subscribe button so that i think this is now our sixth episode so if you've missed some of the earlier episodes they're all available there so thank you very much for listening and maybe next time at our next episode our wandering ceo is off doing ceo business we'll be back to help us um uh take uh interview our next surprise guest um on our next podcast episode thank you very much for joining
1: us